BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Did you vote for Rod Bogoyevich? The first time, uh, well, yeah, uh, both times I did. Yeah, I did. Look, I don't want, I, look, I got to tell you, I don't want to be governor for the next two years. I want to get going. I'll, I this has been two shitty fucking years where I'm doing the best I can trying to get through a brick wall and find ways around stuff. But it's like just screwing my family and time is passing me by and I'm stuck. It's no good. It's no good. I was so certain that I was on the right side of the line and didn't do anything wrong. And I was certain, still am, that those are corrupt prosecutors and they belong in prison. So I couldn't give in. And yet my kids are suffering and are hurt. To this day, they have wounds. And yeah, you ask yourself, did you let your pride get in the way of you fall under the sword for your children to make it easier for them, less hard for them? I still ask myself that. It's curtains for you. Blago, part three. Let's go. Welcome to Fraudsters, the podcast that gives you the scams you love from the fraudsters we hate. I'm your co-host, Cena Gaznavi, along with Ariel Lieti and Justin Williams. Guys, this is the final episode of our three-part, that could have been 30, deep dive into former Illinois Governor Rod Blagojevich <laughs> and his many, 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 many crimes. In episode one, we fell in love with Rod in episode two, we detailed the FBI investigation that felled our short king. Mm. And in this episode, we pop any sort of love bubbles you may have for Rod that may be floating around in your head. So look, even the most casual news readers probably know that Rod was convicted of something. And it's very well documented that Rod served time in prison. You may even know that, that his sentence was commuted by former President Trump. But what we still don't know exactly were the crimes that he got popped for. Let's not waste any time, guys. Let's get into the specific crimes. Ariel and Justin, and I asked both of you to bring your favorite one of Rod's crimes to the show today. And not all of them were super funny stories or anything like that. Like the first thing Rod was convicted of in his 2010 trial was lying to the FBI about whether or not he tracked his financial contributions. Remember, just like lying to the FBI is a crime. You just can't do it. They want you to be honest. <laughs> you shouldn't. <laughs> you shouldn't. A crime for sure, but not our favorite, of course. It's kind of boring. 
I'm going to keep my favorite crime till last, but Ariel, do you want to start? What is your favorite Blago crime? I'd love to start. Okay, so <laughs> this is going to sound bad, but my favorite crime of his was the Children's Memorial Hospital extortion. <laughs> and not that I want bad things to happen to kids or anything like that, but the, I feel like these kids should have known better, you know? Any right. crime that starts with the word children's is bad. Yes. And then hospital? <laughs> then extortion? I feel like they were asking for it. This is bad. <laughs> All right. Here's what happened. In 2008, the Children's Memorial Hospital, now Lori's Children's Hospital of Chicago, was lobbying the governor's office to raise state reimbursement rates for pediatric specialists. Many doctors in Illinois at the time did not accept Medicaid payments because of its low reimbursement rates. They went to school longer than most people, but somehow still get fucked over by insurance companies like everybody else. Who knew? Like, what? <laughs> so they want to squeeze out anything they can to pay off their six-figure little student loans. So the hospital was a part of a coalition of hospitals trying to raise reimbursement rates, and their lobbying actually worked. Rod broke off $8 million for this purpose. That is, I mean, as long as the head of the Children's Hospital was able to wet Blago's beak. Rod will give you the money, but what does little Roddy get in return? You know what I'm saying? He wants $50,000 in campaign contributions in return. And what's more, they had him on tape. In a recorded voicemail, he told the hospital lobbyist, I know you're going to be following up with the Children's Memorial, and I just want to let you know what the next steps are and what it is. Kind of, we're looking to accomplish here. Continuing that he wanted to make sure I'm following up on you so you can get it done. And that, you know, I'm jerking your chain, but uh, I think they have the potential to do well by us. Rod was again convicted in this case for wire fraud, attempted extortion, and bribery. And he never even got the money. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing that I love about this is he never got the money. And, you know... It is the feds. He wasn't asking it for himself. It was for the children. It was for the kids. (laughs) 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 What? Uh. I think a lot of these better fraudsters that are like smarter at being, you know, scammers, they Mm -hmm. get the money for themselves. They don't just like, you know what I mean? Like he's just trying to have... Well, was this him trying to look good at this point? You know, like, Something. hey, I'm trying to help the kids. I'm a, I'm a good man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a good guy that's been wronged. I want to shake some of it. He's, the, he's like, he's, he's Christopher Walken in King of New York now. He's mm-hmm. like doing everything for the hot. He's like committing all these crimes to fund a hospital. <laughs> <laughs> so, Justin, why don't you give us your your crime? I would love to, Cena. Thank you. You know, my favorite crime harkens back to an older time, where politicians and mobsters mingled in the seedy world of gambling. I bring you today the case of the racetrack extortion. Maywood Park racetrack owner John Johnson, which is a made-up name if I ever heard one, contributed $320,000 to Rod's campaign between 2002 and 2007 because he just loved Rod Bogloyevich so much. It was a great and fruitful relationship until 2008 when the General Assembly, in a special session, I don't know if that makes it better or worse, but it was special, voted to extend a subsidy from Illinois casinos to horse racing tracks. This would mandate that some of the revenue from Riverboat casinos would be diverted to the horse racing industry. I don't know why they needed more money, but they got it. 
Rob was concerned that because of this new legislation, John Johnson would be skittish about giving him a big campaign check again in 2008 because it might look so weird. So Rod sent Lon Monk, one of his fundraising advisors, to the track to talk to Johnson and get him to give Rod $100,000 before the deal goes through or else Rod would kill the deal. Pay him his hundred grand and the deal goes through. Johnson gave Rod the 100000 For this crime, Rod was convicted of wire fraud, conspiracy to commit bribery, and conspiracy to commit extortion. Wow. Okay, by my count, we are at seven felony convictions for my man Rod. And now it's time for moi, my favorite crime. And that is the classic trying to sell Obama's Senate seat. <laughs> Honestly, if nothing else, I love the titles of all these crimes. <laughs> I feel like they're novels unto themselves. You know what I mean? Like just novellas. Yeah. Get Fabio in here. <laughs> when Obama became the first cool president under Illinois law, the governor, Rod Blagojevich, had the sole authority to name a successor. Now, we all know Rod liked to get something in return. You don't get $27 million for your re-election campaign without getting something in return. Mm -hmm. And no governor could ever have had something bigger than a Senate seat, especially one that just especially one that just made a guy president. Jesus Christ. I mean, Rod's brain must have exploded at the possibilities of reciprocity for this gold mine. Obama wanted Valerie Jenner to replace him. Maybe a favor for the next POTUS could be enough for Rod. No. He asked for an immediate favor in return from Obama. He would put Jared in the seat and Obama would put him in his cabinet or something close. This is, of course, a no-go from Obama. And that's not the kind of politics Obama was playing anymore. <laughs> Another deal Rod threw out was that he would give the seat to Jared in exchange for Obama's wealthy donors like Warren Buffett or Bill Gates and even Oprah that they would bankroll a nonprofit for him to run at a, quote, very reasonable salary. Obama said no to that as well. Can you imagine Obama trying to make like an intro call to this just wacko named Rod Bogoyevich? Just hey. cold calling. <laughs> hey, Oprah, <laughs> I've got this buddy. <laughs> would you talk to him? <laughs> Rod also privately bitched about Obama's request saying that the seat is, and we've heard this a lot, is a fucking valuable thing. You just don't give it away for nothing. Saying the infamous, I've got this thing and it's fucking golden and I'm just not going to give it up for fucking nothing. All right, here's a quick clip of what he says after this little bit. Look, I don't want, I, look, I got to tell you, I don't want to be governor for the next two years. I want to get going. I'll, I this has been two shitty fucking years where I'm doing the best I can trying to get through a brick wall and find ways around stuff. But it's like just screwing my family and time is passing me by and I'm stuck. It's no good. It's no good. I got to get moving. The whole world's passing me by and I'm stuck in this fucking job as governor now. Everybody's passing me by and I'm stuck. Who's passing you by? Everybody. Everybody. I mean, we're struggling financially. Okay, her business got dried up because the Tribune's been fucking writing about every one of her real estate clients. You know, I should have fucking looked the other way in the landfill, and then my father-in-law would take care of us. I should have fucking done that. 
not aggressive at all. Incidentally, he's making money on that thing against, you know, in violation of state law. I mean, you guys are telling me I just got to suck it up for two years and do nothing. Give this motherfucker his senator. Fuck him. For nothing? Oh, fuck geez. him. <laughs> this is... I, I mean, how angry could this man have been? <laughs> Not happy. Not happy at all. He also complained that his consultants were telling him to suck it up and, quote, give this motherfucker his senator. The motherfucker being Obama, if we were confused about that. <laughs> Yikes. Can't believe it. For nothing? Fuck him. <laughs> so funny. Fuck him. Guy's aggressive. Yeah, he's like yeah. Bobby Knight on these calls. It's so funny. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> he came up dry with Obama. So Jared withdrew her name from contention. He also tried to give it to his old war buddy's son, Jesse Jackson Jr., in exchange for $1.5 million in campaign contributions from his supporters. <laughs> Jesse Jackson Jr. got caught in a corruption scandal, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think he used campaign funds to like buy a bunch of nice stuff, which is sad because Jesse Jackson Jr. was like the you're like, oh, this is going to be the young hope of the liberal Democratic Party. And it was, it was like no. and it's like, nah, turns out he's got to actually go away. Usually <laughs> <laughs> we'll just never be seen again. For this crime, he was found guilty of wire fraud, attempted extortion, conspiracy to commit bribery, and conspiracy to commit extortion. So there's all these charges we read. This particular one on appeal got adjusted. So really, he ended up going to prison not entirely for this crime, but there's things related to it, of course. And we're going to break down his trials and how the progression went right after this break. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home, the place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. 
for the place you've put down roots. Trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Welcome back. Rod had a lot of trials, guys. Not because he was tried separately for his crimes, but because the juries all had people taking bribes, maybe? I don't know. Who knows? We're just asking questions like Joe Rogan does. That's mm-hmm. that's who our inspiration is. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's if if it's not illegal to ask the question, guys. Just asking a question. Just ask you the question. Okay, Rod's first trial started June 3rd, 2010. Charged with 24 counts. The trial lasted two and a half months. He was guilty of lying to the FBI without tracking financial contributions to his campaigns. But it was a hung jury on the 23 other counts. Hmm. That means they just couldn't come to an agreement. Now, here's the thing. You would say, you would think, hung jury, great. I'm done. I'm off. That doesn't mean you're not guilty. But it just means they couldn't come to a decision. And so, for then, Rod's free. And it's up to the government to bring the case again. So, during his first trial, Rod was represented by attorney Sam Adam Jr., Now, if that name sounds familiar, it's because he had been part of a few high-profile cases, including R. Kelly's in 2008. We had a lengthy conversation with him about all those cases, Chicago politics, and of course, the man of the hour, Blago. You'll hear snippets from this interview throughout the episode. Here's Sam Adam Jr. telling us about his experience defending Rod during the trial. Sam Adam Jr., welcome to Fraudsters. Not Adams. No, which no is very sorry. tough. How does your autocorrect handle that? Has it learned uh, to not um, put well, the S? I mean, it's learned now, so I don't have... It's just everybody constantly says it. And so Samuel Adams, I just tell him I make the beer and I'm all... It's all good. They all think I'm a loaded millionaire. There you know, go. That's actually what I thought going into this. I was like, we are meeting a celeb. <laughs> this man doesn't even have a beard. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> In this trial with Rob Agoyevich, what was your strategy and how did you, and I want to get into like the little bit of the nuances of McCormick and the quid pro quo stuff, but like, what was your overall strategy going into the, to the Blagojevich trial? Everyone's talking about these tapes. Right. He keeps saying Crazy things on tapes. What was your strategy going in? Well, the truth is, and and what I'm going to say to you is going to sound unbelievable, and you're going to go, yeah, this is lawyer BS, I, and I get it. But it truly isn't. I, it, we had, I think, 526 hours of tapes. Yeah. And we put together a team. Now, you said Blago didn't have money. What happens w- w- with someone like that was, uh, you're able to use the campaign fund. And he had 2.8 million, I think. Look at that. And the judge doled it out to us at public defender rates. We were, we were a, whatever the public defender got back then, that's what we were allowed to charge. And so, which is fine. I had no problem with that. Um, but we put together a team and we went through hours upon hours and hours of tapes. The problem with this is I'm not allowed to talk to you even now. This is 2023. There is still an order from Judge Zagel saying that anything that was not played of those tapes we are sealed. We are not even allowed to discuss. Now, why is that important to what you just asked me? I'm telling you, and you're going to say it's BS, they picked maybe an hour of those tapes, some salacious things, and played them. We asked over and over and over and over again, let us play what you taped. We didn't tape these. You taped them. 
if they explain the way we say these things, let us play them. The judge refused. We got to play zero of the 526 hours. We were not allowed to play one hour, nothing. Everything we had to play was what the government played. And we had to uh, try to make a uh, defense on it. And we hung every count. So can you imagine if, if I'm only right by 50% what we could have done had we had the tapes we asked to play? Tell me, I, that was a big sticking point for me as well. It always was confusing to me why, when we were listening, we listened to, I think, almost everything that they played at trial. I think. I don't know. We we're, we listened to a lot of stuff. But why did it they? What, what legal basis did the judge use or, or did the government provide that, hey, we don't need to listen? Because presumably the, the platform or the narrative that was constructed is that Blagojevich had a had a velocity or a speed at which he was lying that he was just constantly lying. So why not just play the rest of the tapes? And, and that's exactly what we said. Their, their rationale was that there had been a leak by, from the Tribune and that Blago was sitting there making up better things for himself once he heard there was leak. But there was no evidence of this leak that they knew it. It was simply a way of and you have to understand this is the federal government. This is why Blago means a lot to me, not only personally, because I happen to like the guy. He is not his persona on TV, but every lawyer will tell you that. I'm sure you know that, that the things you see in 30 second snippets are not what you when you sit down and you're talking to a man for three and four hours and you meet his family. It's not the same. Um, he really is an intelligent. He's a historian. I don't know if you guys yeah, know. We know that. Yeah. Uh, that their their rationale was he's sitting there making things up. And, and I said, that's not. Whether that's true or not, they can't prove it. And two, that's what the purview of the jury is for. The jury should make a determination as to whether he's making this stuff up or not, but they should be allowed to hear it. I'll give you a perfect example, because um, this is out. I can say this. We were not BSing when we told you that Jesse Jackson Jr. play, play, uh, do I need to explain that for your listeners? You can. Yeah, 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 sure. I'd love to hear from you. One of the allegations, of course, was that Blago was trying to sell the Senate seat. And one of the people he was trying to sell it to was Jesse Jackson Jr. And Jesse Jackson Jr. supposedly came through some uh, Indian uh, business owners and made an offer of either one or one point five million uh, in campaign contributions. That's another point here. I know you're going to get to a little later that this wasn't he was pocketing money. Everybody agrees Blago never pocketed a dime or even tried to pocket any money. This was all about campaign contributions. But all through the tapes and I and this is out so I can say it all through the tapes. Uh, he is saying our real play here is to make Washington think that oh, I'm going to appoint Jesse Jackson Jr. See, Blago had the only person in the country that had the ability, once President Obama got uh, elected, he was the only person, because the governor of the states gets to then appoint who's going to be the next senator. Obama was the senator, moved to president, Blago gets to make the next senator. And Jesse Jackson Jr. wanted that Senate seat. He, he really did. But Blago, all through the tapes, is saying, we have to make Washington think that Jesse's gone, because nobody in their right mind, wants Jesse Jackson Jr. as the senator of Illinois. Well, I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just true. So, but what we need was at the time, and you'll see this, uh, you're probably going to ask me about this, Madigan, who was the longest serving uh, state uh, 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 speaker of the House, just got indicted about a year ago himself. He was the speaker of the House. So, and granted, with, Illinois with an iron fist. His daughter 
was the attorney general and kept blocking Blago in the courts from things Blago wanted to do, from getting uh, uh, drugs for Illinois from Canada, uh, from making sure that the bus rides for seniors were free, things, things of that nature. And Blago's play was, if we make them think I'm going to appoint Jesse Jackson Jr., maybe if I say, look, you give me X, Y, and Z for the state and I'll appoint Lisa, the deal can be made, political horse trading. Now, whether you believe it or not, is not up for me. The question is, was it in those tapes? And should he, as an American citizen, been allowed to have the jury hear that and determine it for themselves? Because that's all through the tapes. And I'm telling you, that's all through the tape that this was not a play for money. This was the play to make Lisa uh, the, the senator so he could get things done for Illinois. It sounds like what was what else was in the tapes is just not very funny or entertaining. And that's why they didn't play. Well, there's <laughs> no good bits in there. When you say that I got this fucking thing and it's fucking golden. Yeah, that's going to make heaven. But it's also how you play. The truth is, think about that statement as crass as it is. Now, I'll be the first and I've said it a thousand times. I don't want my governor talking like this. I don't want my governor doing these things, but it's not criminal. If yeah. you think about what you could get, let's suppose I'm right. Let's say, Sam, you're a loud mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're going to assume you're right. Can you imagine the things you could get done if you promise Obama, Valerie Jarrett, and he then signs a, a, a billion dollar a highway a highway bill? Or you, he, he says, you know what? If you give us Valerie Jarrett, I'll make sure that I back you with all the senators downstate to give rides to, to grandmas, whatever you're looking for. It is a fucking thing that was fucking golden. It's just depending on what you need it for. Political horse trading, it's not, I don't like it. So how did you handle the press? And and how, how did you, we know a little bit about this, but it seems like you had to kind of surf the rod publicity wave when it came to him in the press. How do you as a lawyer representing him navigate the press and try to use it to your advantage? In this particular case, it was that was not difficult because the decision was made for us. Uh, when when Rod was uh, first arrested and then charged, so the U.S. attorney arrested him. He's the most respected person in in uh, in, in probably the uh, U.S. history for prosecution. Came out and made some made a terrible judgment and said things to the people of, of, of Illinois, to potential jurors. Rod is more corrupt, uh, the most corrupt governor we've ever had, and that's after four had been to prison. Yeah. And then <laughs> Lincoln is rolling over in his grave. Oh, uh, then the, uh, uh, the FBI director for, for Illinois, Grant, comes out and says that uh, we're more corrupt, Rod Blagojevich is more corrupt than Louisiana. And I'm going, Louisiana. Wow. That's that just whole state. Wow. That's just that's damn. Uh, and so it really was bad. By the time we looked, Rod's, Rod's approval rating was at, at one. And I don't mean one percent. I mean one person. It was like, <laughs> like that, that was it. Some <laughs> family members were like, damn, man, what are you doing, Rod? Uh, and so we had no choice. What we had to do was come back to get to even. It wasn't a choice we made. When you make those kind of statements, in fact, I know the ARDC uh, got, uh, came and looked at this and said these are things that shouldn't have been said. Uh, it was too prejudicial to Rod. Uh, we had to get Rod back to even. And we had somebody that had spent his entire political life talking. We had somebody who who truly believes he 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 did not do anything criminal. Looking back, of course, he did things terribly for as a governor, but truly hadn't done anything criminal. 
uh, who wanted to shout from the rooftops. And so to get back even, all I wanted by the time we got to trial was for people to listen. Don't just say Rod's, Rod's guilty because that's where we were when, when this whole thing started. And by the time we got to trial, 50% of the people were saying, you know what, I, anybody who goes around the country and says, play the tapes, he can't, either he's crazy or he's not guilty. And as a criminal defense lawyer, I'll take just about either one of those. Either you're not certain <laughs> or you're not guilty. Uh, but people listened. And that's all. That's why we went on that tour, was to make people just understand, Patrick, uh, the U.S. attorney who said this uh, is not right. And you just got to live. You just be open minded and give me a shot. I think we can come in there and show you that he was not guilty. If you if but if you're trying to get out there and show people and, and get the word out. Why not get him some media training? Some he's he's like yeah. a loose cannon on the he's microphone. A little messy. He was you, so messy. Yeah, and there's a couple of things to that. Number one, in America. Nobody remembers what you said. It's how you feel. Nobody. Yeah. They don't. You can't. You can. You can probably give me five or six quotes from Kanye West, right? But the vast None majority of them are good. Things, you're not thinking about what he said off the top of your head. Yeah. Number one. Number two. You don't know me. I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> good yeah. point. Good point. Good point. I can remember uh, a Charlie right, Sheen I could name ten. Yeah, I can name ten <laughs> Kanye quotes right now. Don't do that. People are nowhere near as intelligent as you. How about oh that? yeah. Okay. <laughs> You are a lawyer. <laughs> uh, and two was that was part of the defense that we were able to show in real time how he thinks. You said uh, in an article that we read that, that Rod uh, was uh, funny, but but insecure. Can you tell me a little bit about him, the person and, and what he's like when he's not? you know, doing an Elvis impression or spinning a basketball on each one of his fingers. I know, or I didn't reciting. get insecure from him. Yeah, that seems like and, the last thing. And that's, uh, you know, insecurity takes its its root in many different forms and many different people. Um, Rod, Rod really gets his energy from being loved, from being liked. Uh, and that's what I meant. He, he truly is... Uh, if you met him, I, I've had friends that hate him. And once they meet him, they just, man, I love that guy. I can't, I, man, it's too bad what he's going through. It's because he has perfected the art of giving people what they want because mm. he, he wants to be so loved. That's, that's really what the whole thing comes down to was why he's doing this, why he's trying to make all that money was he, he really does have a good heart and some of the things he wanted to do. But the truth is every time a check is given, it, it solidifies in, in his mind, people love me. This guy really likes me. Um, and so he does all these things for the attention of others. I know a lot of people are going to look at this and say, come on, Sam, give me a break. But the, this is me being a, a pop psychologist, of course. So it's up to the government to bring the second trial. And they would bring a second trial. All that money, all that government money being spent to put this very well-haired, bad Elvis impersonator uh, to prison. But between the first and second trials, a federal judge dropped three of 23 corruption charges against Rod. Fitzgerald and his team from the FBI also used this time to revise their charges and simplify them. Okay, make it easier for a jury to convict. In Rod's second trial, which started on May 2nd, 2011, he was charged with 20 counts. It lasted two months. He was guilty on 17 of them. Not guilty on one, deadlocked on two counts. So, <laughs> not a good record. 
Damn. The math is you not don't want, yeah, this is not good. a good, you don't want that. On July 25th, 2011, Rod filed a 158 page motion requesting an acquittal or a new trial, citing fundamentally unfair proceedings, but that wouldn't keep him from prison. Before his appeal begins on December 7th, 2011, which was the 70th anniversary of the attack on Pearl Harbor, he was sentenced to his own Pearl Harbor of 14 years in federal prison. He began his sentence in March of 2012 at the Englewood Federal Correctional Institution in Colorado. But remember, guys, it's not all that bad. Uh, Englewood is a very nice place. Rod had petitioned to be sent there, of course. It's not to be confused with Englewood in South Central. As we all know, Englewood is always up to no good. <laughs> if you remember that classic line. Although if you go to Englewood today, it's incredible, wonderful neighborhood, great eats, love it. Englewood, New Jersey, Englewood. also lovely. So. Englewood, New Jersey. Look at that. The lesser known Englewood. You know what? Yeah. I don't need this. <laughs> I don't buy into that. No way. <laughs> but Englewood was ranked by Forbes magazine as the 12 best places to go to prison. Thank great. you, Forbes. It's a great Thank list. You. That it's is a great a list. list. Just and 12. most of their like 30 under 30 uh, people are probably going there. And, and doesn't it depend on your taste for a prison? Like, how can you say? Yeah. That? yeah. Like, maybe I want to go to a prison where there's a lot of murder and white supremacy. And, yeah. Like, yeah. Maybe that's Muslims. my vibe. Right. Yeah. Feel safer. Yeah. But only Forbes would publish that. There's a, that's how many corporate criminals are there are. They need a list for like which prisons they should go Just to. Just in case. Yeah. yeah. One reason that it was on the list was because that Denver airport is close to the prison and that families could easily visit. Wow. <laughs> so at first I thought you were kidding about this, but um, this is real. No, this is very real. <laughs> okay. And that part of Colorado also gets an inordinate number of sunny days. It does. Jesus. That's true. I love that. that. The next year, his lawyers appealed his conviction to the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals. That's one down from the Supreme Court, claiming the trial judge failed to explain to jurors that, quote, political deal making can be legal and, quote, misled the jury by failing to explain the legal distinction between campaign contributions and bribes, <laughs> that's, which that's, uh, that's kind of a funny uh, point. <laughs> ex, ex, right. Let's just pause uh, for a moment. And let that sink in for everybody. It's like, no, there is a thin line between these two things. He ain't wrong. <laughs> On Rod's appeal, he appealed 17 counts. It lasted two years and five of the counts were overturned. That's one of the ones selling Obama's Senate seat. So a lot of that problem got thrown out, but he still went to prison. The judge ruled the prosecutors did not prove that he broke the law when he tried to sell Obama's Senate seat. Rod requested a, a rehearing for the other counts, but was denied. Now, when you're in prison, especially when you have this many politically connected friends, your efforts to appeal never cease. Why would they? I mean, what the hell else are you going to do? Especially for a workhorse like Rod, who we all remember could work nearly nine hours a week as governor. That's tough. <laughs> it is a tough life. In 2016, a federal prosecutor filed a motion asking a U.S. district judge to schedule a resentencing date for the former governor due to the five overturned convictions. And they got one for later that year, although that judge imposed the exact same 14-year sentence against Blagojevich despite the pleas for a reduced term. In 2017, Blagojevich submitted a second request to overturn his conviction and sentencing 
to the U.S. Supreme Court. They rejected. In 2018, Patty, his wife, real, this is like the best wife in America, by the way. (laughs) She went on Tucker Carlson tonight to essentially pitch clemency to Trump. Since everyone knew that was the easiest way to get to Trump, she drew comparisons of Rod's prosecution to that of Scooter Libby, who we talked about earlier, who Trump had just pardoned a week earlier because they were both prosecuted by Fitzgerald and Fitzgerald's connection to James Comey. I mean, we don't know 100% if that's the case, but we know Trump is a spiteful man and that he would do something like this. And mind you, Patty also went on all kinds of other Fox News shows. She was Mm -hmm. all over the network as much as she possibly could. She's very like, stand by your man. Absolutely. It doesn't look like he was cheating. He was just working out in his office to stay good for her. Everything he did for her, he worked out all day for her to keep his Blagojevich tight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He tried to sell Obama Senate to secure a future for them. So I'm glad that she did this because we we don't have any Blagojevich tapes of him cheating. So No, we sure don't. Yeah. This is... When times are tough. Like Jesse Jackson had that baby that we found out. Right. The, the grown baby. He, He's like, he oh, by the way, I have a 52-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> that grown baby. Stupid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he may be a liar and a, and a thief and a fraudulent person in general, but damn it, never cheated on his woman. And we like that. So Trump was asked about it at a press conference and said he was thinking about it. So can you imagine? Blagojevich so pumped. He took this cue and filed clemency paperwork, officially asking Trump to commute his prison sentence. Now, mind you, when you get your sentence commuted, that's different than a pardon. A pardon means you're now not guilty. You should have never went to prison. You should have never been charged. Uh, The commutation is when, okay, you've just served enough time. Old pal Jesse Jackson joined the choir asking for his pardon. In February 2020, Trump finally commutes his sentence, even though at that point, Rod had already served eight of his 14 years, which is longer than what a lot of people would serve for similar crimes. I mean, Rod was surprised. I mean, he assumed he would serve even after the initial sentencing, much less than that. Soon after his release from prison, he was disbarred in Illinois. Here's Sam Adam Jr.'s take on Trump's decision to commute Rod's sentence instead of pardoning him. Speaking of the commutation, and you mentioned the uh, verse pardon, why do you think Trump commuted the sentence instead of pardoning pardoning him? Uh, Right, because pardoning would have, he would have wiped his criminal record clean. Right, correct. I think it's a much easier call. I think it's a much easier when you just say, hey, I think he got too long. And I, and I do. I personally think he got too long. Uh, I wasn't part of that second trial. And yes, so it's not, it's, not, it's not on me or, or one way or the other. I think 14 years was too long for a nonviolent offense where he got no money. Everybody agrees he got no money. But take, put my opinion aside. It's a much easier call than to have to go through and climb on and say, because when you pardon somebody, you're, you're saying the crime didn't occur. He didn't do this. When you commute his sentence, you're saying he got too long at sentencing, which I don't think there was any pushback from that. I think a lot of people, even those who hate Rod, thought 14 years was too much. Seven years away from his family was certainly sufficient to prove the, well, at least should be sufficient to prove the point, as we're seeing with all the indictments in Illinois coming down now. Apparently, uh, no one's listening to how much time you get. They're still doing these things. All right, let's take another quick break. When we come back, we're going to break down what he was doing after prison and some of that like thin line of what is a political contribution and what is a bribe. We'll be right back. 
Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back and the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. I, to this day, insist that that's true. But I was worried about some of the things I may have said, the swear words, you know, I referred to Obama, I know some of those tapes in an unflattering way, some other people in politics. Um, well, and, you knew you that know, wasn't criminal. About- you knew that. Well, you're doing, you want, I mean, seriously, do you want people to believe that you were worried about the swear words you said or the not nice things about Obama versus possibly getting c- prosecuted by Patrick Fitzgerald? I mean, that's, <laughs> hard, that's hard to, t- no. to believe. No, that's a fair question. Oh, that was Megyn Kelly and Rod Blagojevich, post-prison Rod Blagojevich, <laughs> was still a full head of hair, Beautiful, but now yeah. he doesn't get to, doesn't color it anymore because they won't let you do that in prison. salt and pepper, but he's still full, Except, full head of hair, still looking good for head. his wife. Looks, Great hairline. Looks good. Yeah. Looks good. Yeah. yeah I mean, you know, what little, are you going to do? He had the little um, Azos uh, blazer on, like yep. the Azos, uh, you know, lounge singer bedazzle. There we go. <laughs> So, guys, remember the earlier the grounds for the appeal centered around the judge not explaining the difference between campaign contributions and fraud. And there's a couple ways you can't just be like, oh, this fact was wrong and try to appeal on that. You have to appeal on a matter of law or something like the the judge gave improper instructions to the jury. And in this case, that's what he was trying to say. And Blagojevich's defense has always been that this is just the way people do business in politics. He says it time and time again. And maybe he spoke a little too hyperbolically, but these conversations didn't amount to a quid pro quo. And we always we hear that a lot, especially with Trump and stuff like that. Here's Megan and Rod talking about this quid pro quo and the case that's on point for this McCormick. You have to have evidence of an express quid pro quo. 
There mm. never was that. In fact, no. again, you added the word express. That's not true. But it is. That's the McCormick case, 1991. No, I've read McCormick, 1991. That's not what it requires. And I read the Seventh Circuit case digesting McCormick in which you were appealing. And that's not right. Well, you're the host, hostess of the show and you're a lot smarter than I am. But I have to tell you, I mean, I know where the line is. When you ask for a campaign contribution and you don't promise or threaten anybody directly in exchange for that, that's legal. That's free no, speech. The Seventh that's- Circuit made very clear in looking at your case on your appeal. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Right. is sufficient. It, uh, no politician it most wouldn't be dumb enough to be like, you've got to make a $50,000 donation to my campaign tomorrow. And then the day after tomorrow, I will give you I will approve the legislation that's going to help your racetrack, sir. OK, by the way, yeah, well, but the reality is that's exactly how the system works. So, for example, the big drug companies contribute campaign contributions to United States senators and congressmen uh-huh. while they're voting on their things. Now, as long as there isn't. Can I just tell you, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that. Keep going. Right. This are you asking me, is the system uh, a good system? No. Would you argue that it's legal bribery? Yes. I think you can argue that. But the line is very clear. And in 2014, that Citizens United case, the Supreme Court reaffirmed that standard in McCormick saying the only uh, way you would limit compelling the only compelling interest to limit free speech, because that's what fundraising is. Mm -hmm. They call it free speech is so-called quid pro quo corruption. No one where the line was. We never promised anything. We never threatened anybody. They uphold those upheld three fundraising requests where I received nothing after they vacated the right. Senate. But it was an attempt. That you you always yes. say that. I didn't get any money. And I, I agree that right. based on what I've read, you didn't, but that's right. not that's not relevant. That's a dodge. That's a red herring. If you attempted to get things, you attempted to get money in your coffers in exchange for your public duties. And that is illegal. And and I'm not going to dispute with you that you were singled out and that a lot of people and your example of the drug companies is a great one. Very apt. They do buy favors all the time from politicians who are also corrupt. But that doesn't excuse what you did. Yeah. Just because people are corrupt every day doesn't mean that you're allowed to also be corrupt. Yeah. It's 100. And it's so crazy that you know, they're calling out a real thing that it, it's legal bribery. They're the, the campaign contributions, the money in politics influences everything. The lobbyists. This is all a problem that we all know about. And I've, I think we even talked about this, Justin, when we did our Ted Cruz episode, when Ted Cruz got the Supreme Court, basically, you know, they got the case greenlit in the Supreme Court where they could have infinite amount of loans to their campaign and get paid back whenever they want. That allows for a level of corruption, and it's legal. The only thing that they're talking about when it comes to quid pro quo, which is Latin for this, for that, providing something of value for one person to another. So it's it's like there has to be an exchange, a clear exchange, for there to be some sort of bribery. So if you speak hyperbolically and you say things like, I've got this thing, it's fucking gold, that's the line. In America... We are okay with corruption if it's just not said. Yeah. Which is the most puritanical bullshit thing that we do. If you purchase Clarence Thomas in in cash, just don't say it's for anything. Yes. That's it. And look, it works. (laughs) Quid pro quo, though, is not always bad. If you were to sell something in a contract, that's a quid pro quo. But in a different context, like bribery, it means that there's an unethical legal exchange happening. 
So they referred to this case in 1991, McCormick v. United States, where the defendant, Robert McCormick, was a member of the West Virginia House of Delegates. He sponsored and supported bills that helped foreign doctors keep their jobs in the state. Okay, so the doctor's organization then made donations to McCormick to help him get elected or to help him get reelected. So far, this doesn't sound like anything we are surprised by, right? McCormick, though, never promised official action in exchange for the donations. But of course, he sees the money coming in from those organizations after he does this vote on these bills. So the Supreme Court held that a promise of official action is necessary for there to be a violation of law. There's an old 1951 law called the Hobbs Act that prohibits extortion under the color of official right, which just means you're a public official. So in McCormick, he did the legislating and the doctors rewarded him. The children's hospital example is is on point here because Rod was trying to get them to do right by him, to do right by his campaign. I'm going to hold up your hospital until you do it. Racetrack. I'm going to shake you down first before I get you the things you want for your racetrack. Mm. I mean, what do you guys think? I don't think there's, I think, I, I don't, this line is so thin and only someone with narcissistic personality disorder would probably think that what they were doing is not <laughs> corruption well, and bribery. especially when right? he doesn't get the money that he was looking for, he gets to say, I'm a victim. I didn't get paid. I Nothing happened for me. Right. I, everything. So it like either way sort of works out in his favor because then he gets to be like, it was all like, how could they do this to me? Poor little old me. Me. I was just trying I'm to just, help the kids. I'm just playing by the rules. This is what everyone else is. No, exactly. everyone else is way slicker than you, apparently. Yeah. He's and they're getting their money. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, he's, he's embarrassed because he's the only guy that managed <laughs> to not get money in Chicago politics. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, that is true. You had a sentence seat and you struck out and went to jail for it? You're a loser, bro. <laughs> no, and you went to jail yeah, for a long-ass time. Like, yeah. longer than it's any like, of these motherfuckers go to jail, so. It's like yeah. 80 years of corruption, you know? And it's like. <laughs> Although it's like the governor's seat, there's more likely than not that the governor will go to prison in Illinois yeah. uh, after the last like five, right? We wanted to hear what Sam Adam Jr. had to say about all of this. So we asked him how he handled the McCormick decision and applied that precedent to this case. Here's what he had to say. As you know, we hung this count as well. A lot of people think we only hung 11 to 1. We That was on the Senate seat count. But on most of these, we hung 7 to 5. And on some of them, we were actually seven to five not guilty. I think this is one that was seven to five not guilty. When it came to that particular count, uh, there was a CEO uh, of of Children's Hospital at Northwestern Memorial named Patrick Malgoon, Maldoon, something like that. And he had previously made $25,000 contributions to Blagojevich. Now, at the same time that the next fundraiser is coming up, there's a law that's going to be passed giving, I think it was $10 million or $20 million, something like that, to Children's Memorial. But the time for Blago to sign it was coming up, but it had not passed. Now, you have to understand politics. Like I said, I don't want my governor doing these things, but 
I definitely understand it's not criminal because crime is intent. What the uh, case that you mentioned says is it's only a crime when you're a politician and under honor services if you do one thing specifically to get another. It has to be one for the other. It's called a quid pro quo. You have to tell Maldoon, and it has to be explicit. You give me $25,000, i am going to sign this. Or in the negative, you don't give me $25,000, i am not going to sign this. Well, what happened in this, and we again, we had the tapes, and uh, apparently I made some sense because seven of the five people said, no, I agree with you, it wasn't a crime was he always intended on signing the bill no matter what Patrick Maldoon did. Always, whatever that CEO was going to do, he's always intending on signing. All through the tapes, I'm going to sign it, but I got to put pressure on this guy to make him think I'm not going to sign it. Because if I sign it, I'm never going to get the 25000 for my campaign. Is that disgusting? Is that how our politics should be run? Certainly not. Is it disgusting as a person who wants money out of this? Definitely. But if his real intent was to sign that, which, by the way, he did. He ended up signing the legislation and never yeah. got the 25000 Which so, is always the funny part, that Rod kept doing all of these things and he really didn't get the benefit ever. <laughs> That's the truth. That's the honest-to-God truth. Man, uh, I could see, you know, I think I'd buy a Popsicle from you in a Chicago winter. Um, well, no, but you have to ask one last thing, if you don't mind. Let me cut Yes, you go ahead, please. One last thing here is, this is another thing that should bother people, which was the timing of his arrest. There's two reasons that should bother people. Number one is, what legitimate arrest is being made before the crime occurs? If Blago was going to, if they're right, that Blago really wanted $1.5 million from, from uh, uh, Triple J, uh, 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 Jesse Jackson Jr., why not let the deal happen? They right. arrested him way before it happened. If he really wasn't going to sign this legislation unless he got the $25,000, why not just arrest him after the time lapse? Why not is just it wait? A, I'm is sorry. It a, is it a crime to the attempt? Well, is that the... Everybody seems to be. He was never charged with attempt. He never told Maldoon these things. He never told that CEO those things because honest services says it has to be one for the other. And so you have a much better case of showing his intent. If the, if if all if it was only like two weeks, why did they wait? Now I'll tell you why. And I become very close with the the, the main prosecutor uh, for the U.S. Attorney's Office. He's he's really a nice man. I don't believe there was any malfeasance here, but the truth is this. They arrested him on December 9th. My honest to goodness belief is they were trying to get something on President Obama. When, oh. And he was only president elect. He wasn't in yet. He didn't get in until January 20th. President Obama, Blagojevich, same state. They also had the same bundler for their campaign contributions Tony Rezko. Oh, we know Tony. We know Tony. They had the same bundler. The very first question, I wasn't there, but Shelly Sarosky, who's the main, another main lawyer in this, when they took Blago down to the FBI headquarters, the first question out of their mouths to Blago, what do you know about Obama? That's oh, yeah. why it took place on December 9th. They had to do it 
before mm. he became the president of the United States. And then maybe he doesn't uh, make the same appointments for U.S. attorney. Maybe he gets rid of the FBI director. Everything with the FBI and the U.S. attorney's office in Chicago, in L.A., in uh, uh, in New York, everything, every indictment has to go to Washington, D.C. for approval on every case, especially one of a governor. And maybe Obama's presidency doesn't allow the indictments. They, that's why, in my humble opinion, they did it on December 9th before he could do any of these things that they claim he was doing. All right. So there's another clip of Megyn Kelly uh, and Rod talking about the arrest and how it affected his children. Uh, and, and honestly, wonders if he had too much pride during trial. Let's hmm. play it. No, the hardest part of that is what they, what happens to your children. And, you know, I had all that time in prison, 2,896 days to uh, do a lot of thinking and reflecting. And I would try to discipline myself and, and stay strong because I had to be strong if for no other reason for them and for my wife. But I would have moments late at night sometimes. I'd look through the window. I, my home was a six foot by eight foot prison cell for the first 32 months. I'd look through the window and I'd follow the light of a passing plane flying overhead and imagine myself on that plane with my kids and my wife going anywhere as long as I wasn't where I was. But I would also ask myself, did I let pride get be too caught? Was I too caught up in the pride fighting back the way I was? I still am, as you see. Should I have just cut my losses for them? Because I think I probably could have gotten 18 months, two years. They were floating that after they failed to convict me at a first trial. And uh, I just wouldn't even hear of it because I was so certain that I was on the right side of the line and didn't do anything wrong. And I was certain, still am, that those are corrupt prosecutors and they belong in prison. Ooh, I mean, where was this measured blogo before? <laughs> like he definitely got a PR person, like really making sure you said the 2,896 days looking out the window, the airplane. So sympathetic. Ooh, baby. He had a Ooh, lot of time to think baby. about. No, he had a say. person that was like, you need to tighten up, buddy. If we're going to go back on TV, <laughs> don't embarrass me. Well, he, I don't think he was totally tight. Because, by the way, this interview is great. This is one of you his know. best, I mean, from what we've seen, comparatively. But look, look at this one. Does though. he do an Elvis impersonation? It, no, it worse, <laughs> I think, actually. There's a Freudian slip uh, here where it's just, you'll see it. Okay. Go ahead and, and play the clip. To talk to me about the sale, about the sale, about the Senate seat. So uh, <laughs> when I told him, look, I did nothing wrong. And I, and I'm not gonna Boom. Oh. Lock him back up. Lock him back up. Oh. <laughs> Lock him up. Lock him up. Uh, 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 what was that? Uh, uh, come again? Damn, I take back everything I said. <laughs> He's back, baby. Like, my man, you just did it. You just unraveled all of it. You know, like, you know, you know, it's bad when you're, when you're a Democrat and you're like, I'm just going to go keep going on Fox News. That's when it's gone. Gotten real yeah. Bad. The fact that he never switched parties actually makes me like is actually surprising because the real move is to now like lean into it. Be yeah. like, I, I saw the Democratic swamp firsthand and let me tell you about these people. And then they would like, you know. Yeah. Well, this is well, the one thing is this is just Megyn Kelly's like podcast show. This is this is post Fox News Megyn Kelly. Uh, so this is a different vibe of Megyn Kelly. But yeah, I think that there's, she is. She's been sexually I mean, harassed enough to where mm -hmm. uh, with, without being helped by the supervisors at Fox News that now she's no longer <laughs> towing the company line. 
Yeah. And I think Rod, though, too, I think he's probably an independent or maybe – I don't think he's going to be a Republican, but I think he's probably an independent now. Yeah. Hmm. Um, well, the Democrats don't want him. He's also, like, from a different era of the Democratic Party. Yeah. Like, Obama represents a changing of the Democratic Party to where it's, like, you know – You know, like, white white guys with big hair is not our – Like, white pompadour white men is not the vibe of no. the Democratic Party anymore. But let's. There's another little beautiful moment from this uh, from this interview too, uh, where he talks about the Celebrity Apprentice and the types of jobs he was being offered at that time <laughs> uh, when he was trying to plead his innocence. And it's, I know it's sad but funny. But that's what the show's all about. <laughs> let's play it. Okay, so January 9th, you're uh, or two thousand eight December, you're arrested. Uh, January 9th, the the Illinois legislature impeaches you. You get thrown out of office. April 2009, you get the official charges, racketeering, extortion, etc. Then, um, spring of 2010, right before your trial started, you went on Celebrity Apprentice. Why? When you get arrested like that and, and you have that problem, you become a leper. And the people that know you and did work with you don't want to go near you because they don't want to catch what you have. Mm-hmm. And that's very natural. It's human nature. And it's understandable nor do you want to get them caught up in anything. So you're isolated. My wife, Patty, was working as an executive director for a homeless organization, doing great work. She had a contract. But when I was arrested, they uh, terminated her contract. Mm -hmm. Now, we could have probably sued, but how do you sue a homeless organization, right? And I was thrown out of office, as you say. It wasn't January 9th. That was the house impeachment. I was thrown out later in the month, later in January. (laughs) He's like, I thought about it, though. I really thought about suing that homeless organization. (laughs) And and that's the difference. (laughs) That's the difference between Robert Goyevich and Donald Trump. Donald Trump would have sued. He's like, I will sue this shelter. (laughs) For all your worth. (laughs) I will shut this place down. (laughs) <laughs> also, that, that, that's why how, that's why he's not a Republican. He has he has like enough of a lot. He's like, well, I'm not going to shut down the homeless shelter with lawsuits. Yeah, the only redeeming quality of his narcissism is like, I can't do it to that homeless shelter. But also, how bad do you have to be to get kicked out of a homeless shelter and work in there? He probably yeah. wanted to sue the homeless shelter, and Patty was like, you cannot do that. <laughs> Patty probably had to talk some sense into him. It's always Patty to the rescue. Yeah. He's like, I got this lawsuit. It's fucking golden. She's like, you people already hate you. <laughs> yeah, those people, they don't have homes. You're gonna sue. You can't sue them for anything. All right. Well, let's let's actually play the. I mean, he did some other stuff too, but we don't. I mean, he got so many weird jobs that he was offered. It's this is kind of like laughing at the last like 20 minutes of Goodfellas, where everybody walks <laughs> yeah. away from him. <laughs> exactly that. <laughs> Let's play a little bit more. Um, in the Senate, but we were both out of work and we, neither one of us had any income. We have a mortgage to pay here. You know, I didn't get rich in the business. And so kids were in private looking school, for a way, the way to earn too. a living pending the trials. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, Megan, I was typecast as such a scoundrel that in the early stages, again, nobody wants to do anything with you in the ordinary course of things. But the one world, Megan, where there's some interest, ironically, is the entertainment world. Mm-hmm. And I never really gave much thought about any of that. I never watched reality television. Oh, really? I had met Donald Trump a couple of times before, only briefly. Um, I never watched his show, but I was typecast as this scoundrel. And so I was getting offers 
that I was turning down. For example, I was offered six figures to be a greeter on an HBO show about a, a house of prostitution in Henderson, Nevada, called oh the Bunny Lord. Ranch. Oh my! I would have been a. <laughs> he did the. Can you imagine? Right. <laughs> and I, mean, I, would, I could have used the money, but I just couldn't do that. I have two young daughters. I'm not doing that. Dumb. And then I was invited to go out to a the game that's show. A, that's a good show. There's a place in Santa Monica where they have all these game shows <laughs> that are on different cable television networks, apparently. And they wanted they had a perfect spot for me to be some guy who would go around with a camera and catch men cheating on their wives and then put the oh camera my. on them. And I say, hey, buddy, what do you think? She caught you. And uh, I felt I said, look, I don't, I'm not comfortable doing that. I asked. I said, do you have a show where you got a pretty girl who spins a wheel? And I asked trivia questions. I feel like I could do that. And they said, we don't see you that way. <laughs> we see you more as this other yeah. guy. Neither so does America. This is- and then something wholesome came around. There were two of them. One was called I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, where they put you in the jungle in Costa Rica and you got to eat tarantulas <laughs> and do other things to get out of the jungle. <laughs> and the public votes to keep you on or off. It was at NBC, by the way. And the prosecutor eat tarantulas in Costa Rica. <laughs> <laughs> and he called that a real wholesome, wholesome show. Wholesome show. Really, what I'm hearing is that he continues to fumble the bag. That's his whole vibe. I'm just going to fumble all the money I could have gotten. Yeah. Just be a greeter. He could have been on cheaters. Yeah, it be- would have been sick. Be the greeter at the cat house. Like, yeah. what? At the bunny ranch? Yeah, I would have watched that. It would have changed his uh, reputation totally. in a in a good way. By the way, his wife ended up doing that show. Yes, with the tarantulas because it was during the trial, and like the judge was like, "You can't go to Costa Rica." Yeah, you fucking maniac. No, is there even an extradition agreement like with a place like that? No, that's a, I mean, that seems like a place you would yeah, run, right? Yeah, but I mean, like, you can't leave the country. I mean, once you go to Costa Rica, you could pop over to Cuba, whatever. You could just yeah, leave. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so listen, he went to prison. He got out. He obviously did this Megyn Kelly show, but then he got a podcast. Hell yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, like, he's got a podcast. He obviously stopped doing it after a while. March 22, uh, 2022 was the last episode uh, that I saw. Uh, and I was like, okay, let's see what what his podcast was about. And gosh, let's just play the first 30 seconds of one of his episodes. Strap in. One for the money, two for the show, three to get ready. Now, go, cat, go. Oh, my God. It's an Elvis song vibe. <laughs> this is Lightning Rod today. I'm Rod Blagojevich. I'm here with my producer, Joe. Joe, Joe good morning. How are you? Hi, how are you? Good morning. Good morning to you. It's cold here today in Chicago. It's like I woke up. It was two degrees. When yes. I woke up this morning Jesus at that, That's the first 30 seconds. Riveting first 30. So it's like, you know, if my granddad made a podcast. Um, <laughs> that's the energy. Oh, the weather. We're going to talk about Elvis a little bit. We're going to make a corny joke and we're going to have no real like stage presence as far as podcasts God. go. So that, that was fun. Good for him. I mean, he stopped doing the show, unfortunately. Sad. But today he still says he's innocent. His family, to his credit, is standing by him. But I'll say this. It is strange that Blago went down, but a whole host of other people have not gone down. 
are people really that much better at winking and nudging, I guess? Are big oil and big pharma and the military industrial complex really that much better at peddling influence? What about these billionaire donors? You must meet their criteria or they're not going to give you the money. So where does, where does all that stuff fall? <laughs> I don't know. They were just smarter. He's just kind of a dummy. Yeah. <laughs> That's really what it comes down to. He was just kind of a dummy and not as charming as the others. Yes. Yeah. Anyways, that's it for Hot Rod Blagojevich. Check out his podcast. Yeah. Check out his podcast. He needs, he could use the strings. He could use the one fourth of a penny. Please think of his family. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Fraudsters. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Keep the conversation going on and find us on Twitter and Instagram at FraudstersLPN. Follow me and Ariel on Twitter at Cena Now and Ariel at Ariel Lieti. Follow Justin Williams on Instagram at Justin underscore Williams underscore comedy. Check out the show notes for this show's social media links so that you could follow us and see the resources we use for this episode. Frosters is hosted by me, Cena Gazdavi, Justin Williams, and Ariel Lieti. Frosters is produced by Jordan Aconcia. Written by Nick Turner and edited by Ryan Connor. Noreen Malik is our production coordinator. Research was provided by Patrick Fisher. Music by Grant Gordon. Uh, the executive producer is me, Cena Gazami. This has been a production of Zero Cool and the Last Podcast Network. And tarantulas were provided by A plus catering <laughs> services. <laughs> we'll see you next time. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy.